Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 141 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live talk show and podcast brought to you by Just Thrive Probiotic. I'm Dana. And I'm Tiffany, and we'll be your hosts for today. Good morning. And, good morning. <laughs> and it's funny because I just realized, you know, like, I see all these people and they're like, yeah, well, I'm on my 350th episode. And I'm like, what? We do our shows live weekly. And so then, you know, with that in mind, there are holidays and special times when we can't do it. And that's why our show number is 141. But I'm still pretty proud of it. So I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, right. Me too. You know? I'm enjoying it. And the stuff we've learned. Woo-wee. Oh, my. <laughs> I know, it's really fantastic. So uh, whether there's any benefit or not doing the show live, we like it this way. It's a set time, and we're both here, and we both show up, and we get to talk to some amazing people. Speaking of, we'll be talking with Trisha Nelson today, uh, transformational speaker, author, and emotional eating expert about healing your hunger. So, And her book, Heal Your Hunger. Um, So I'm excited to talk to her. But first, wanted to just mention, if you haven't checked out Thyroid Refresh, it is an amazing platform. It helps take the overwhelm out of learning more about your thyroid disease. And we have our wellness adventure that we will be launching. Very exciting. Nothing like it out there on the market pretty soon. Uh, Jenny and I are are really stoked about it. So please check it out, thyroidrefresh.com, and soon to come, Thyroid 30. Wellness adventure. I like that. Yes. (laughs) Wellness adventure as opposed to challenge because thyroid patients have enough challenges. So right. it is, um, That's what I mean. Yeah. Yes. I love it that. Is a thyroid adventure. Wellness adventure. Wellness adventure. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because, um, and it's, it's, it's a web app, so it's gamified. There's badges and rewards and all kinds of things. And it's, it's a really all kinds of things. It's a really great place to, to connect and feel supported and not judged. Everybody's welcome, so we can't wait. That is awesome. And please be sure to check out our amazing sponsor, ThriveProbiotic.com. This is a very unique spore-based probiotic. Over-the-counter, you don't need a prescription. You don't need to see a practitioner. It is verified to survive gastric acid, proven to do these things, which is very important because many probiotics, or if not all of them outside of Megaspore in this, are not proven. So gluten, dairy, sugar-free, non-GMO, proven, again, to reduce endotoxins, triglycerides, and symptoms of leaky gut. We love them, both Dana and I, thriveprobiotic.com. Be sure to check them out. Yes, absolutely. And with no further ado, let's get this Thyroid Nation thriving. It looks like she is with us. Great. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm doing awesome. How are you ladies doing? We are very good. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. This is an awesome, awesome subject, (laughs) truly. Yeah, well, it is, and it it touches so many people's lives, so I'm really grateful to be here. Yeah, we haven't had anybody on on the show um, talking about this. We've just been saving it for you this whole time, Tricia, so it's really nice (laughs) It's really nice to have you. I know we've connected uh, on Facebook uh, several years ago, I think, so it was way overdue. Um, but this is really, a, you know, a topic that does connect and relate to a lot of people. 
unfortunately, kind of. So um, I want to talk further, obviously. We're going to cover lots of things today, but um, your story is pretty amazing. I want you to, um, for those people who don't know, will will you share a little bit about your history and your story? Absolutely. Yeah, I started out, I mean, I think from the get-go as an emotional eater was definitely an issue for me. And, of course, one doesn't consider oneself an emotional eater. I thought I just liked food, um, which I certainly did and do. But I, um, you know, I really struggled with my weight from a very early age. And I I just, uh, I was pudgy. You know, my my friends' mothers would call me roly-poly or butterball or these lovely names that just make you feel so good (laughs) um and so I did I had a weight problem and it was you know as I got into adolescence it was worse it was um you know I was was fat all out and I hated being fat I hated it so much and I had a roll in my tummy that I would scrunch up in my hands and you know imagine cutting it off and like well it's just fat you know you can cut fat off the side of a steak why can't you slice off the fat on my tummy well thank god I didn't try that um, but I, you know, I, I had uh, fantasies about joining the army where they forced me to exercise at boot camp because I hated to exercise and um, getting some crazy disease where I'd automatically lose weight without trying. So some pretty, you know, out there thoughts and feelings about my weight and, and how to get rid of it. And, you know, and the bottom line is that I was thinking these violent thoughts because I couldn't just stop eating. You know, I couldn't stop, you know, eating the foods that I loved, the ooey gooey chewy foods. I mean, they were practically a staple for me and I just loved to eat. So, you know, I'm thinking of other ways to deal with my weight. But, you know, if anybody struggles with food and weight in any way, um, it, you know, for any amount of time, they know how frustrating it is and how limited, you know, diets are in really solving the problem. And so um, I, you know, I, I experienced that for years. And it wasn't until I found somebody that, who really shared with me the truth about my condition, which, you know, he told me, first of all, food's not your problem and a revelation because I, you know, it was all about food. And when I was eating food, it sure felt like the problem. But the truth is I was eating for emotional reasons and, and I had to deal with those emotions if I was ever going to really heal from my weight struggles. So that's what I started to do with his help and, and it totally changed my life, completely turned things around for me. I stopped focusing on diets and food and calories and measuring and, you know, just really that hyper-focused on what I was eating and started really focusing on what I was feeling and, and dealing with that and also dealing with, you know, my personality traits that would lead me to have tumultuous feelings or out-of-control feelings. So all that really changed everything for me. And I, by the grace of God, you know, I, I was 50 pounds overweight, and I've been able to be thin for about uh, 30 years now. So it's wow. really, yeah, it's incredible. I'm very, very grateful. And Heal Your Hunger Heal Your Hunger came about really because I, you know, wanted to share this with people all around the world. And Thank God the Internet's around and makes it easier to do that. So um, so that's what I do is I have programs that help people really put an end to emotional eating so they can, you know, get control of their weight and their food intake and, and their crazy cravings and all that. Um, so I'm just blessed to be able to do this and, and share it with others. Wow, that's a story. 
That's amazing. That's amazing. So you said you, did you say you were 50 pounds overweight? I was, yep. Wow. That's great. You know, and I think every, well, not every, but many thyroid patients can, you know, uh, identify with the whole weight, food, emotional relationship. Even people who restrict food or orthorexia where you have to eat a specific way, there is emotions behind that. You think? No question. Yeah. And I always say, you know, most people are emotional eaters to some degree. I mean, I think we were just designed that way so that we would subsist as a, you know, as a planet and, and um, you know, species. But, you know, obviously different people have different draws around food. And, you know, I always explain in my programs that people who are, you know, restricting anorexia or orthorexia or, you know, bulimics or whatever, you know, wherever they are on the spectrum, you know, I consider it all emotionally charged. So if somebody's under eating, that's for emotional reasons as well. And they're as much an emotional eater as somebody who's, you know, out, all out binging. Right, right. <sighs> so, so tell me, you know, cultures, you know, it, it's kind of sad because I hear you talking about, you know, a little girl and you were just enjoying all these foods. And, you know, I have to just be blunt and, and tell you that I'm just sad about the thinking about food right now because it was such a, a cultural and social coming together. It, it was designed to make you feel good. It wasn't necessarily the food per se, but it was the community and the gathering and the time together, you know. And I, I feel like right. we compartmentalized food so much that this it's just driving this, this lonely social angst. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, I mean, it's true. I mean, food is meant to be something that makes you feel good, you know, and it's supposed to be have good memories and good, you know, good connotations and and. and provide, you know, the social lubricant so many times for gatherings and, and joyous occasions. It's just that, you know, I think I think the emotional angst sort of precedes it and it causes people to, you know, use foods beyond what it's meant for, you know, whether it be physical or, or social and it becomes everything to them. And that certainly was the case for me where food was everything for me. Um, I mean, every emotion I had, I would be eating, you know, sad, mad, and glad, or, you know, or depressed or whatever. And so, um, you know, when it, when it changes, when, it, when one's need for food really exceeds what it's meant to be, um, it, it's a whole different ballgame, and it makes people, you know, they eat for emotional reasons, and then the eating itself causes more, obviously, um, depressed and anxious emotions around gaining weight and not being able to stop and not wanting people to know. I mean, there's a whole other, you know, host of emotions that come about on account of the eating when the eating was supposed to solve other emotions, you know, and it just exacerbates and causes more. It's a, it's such a problem for people, and, and people feel very alone with it, unfortunately, and I just I want so much for people to know there's a, a place they can go and a way you know a way they can get support for overcoming it. You know I wonder y'all both of you probably know a little bit more about this scientifically than I do, but I just got to thinking when you were talking about or actually I took your quiz. So for those of you uh, out there listening, you can go to HealYourHunger.com and um, take the quiz. 
mm-hmm. that says whether you're a emotional eater or not. Um, but, you know, one of the questions I think was, you know, do you sneak cookies or something like that? And um, I remember being younger and doing that, you know, as a teen. And I think some of this might be, you know, for women and girls going through puberty and things, something to discuss with them. But also, could, could this be fueled by candida that a lot of people don't realize? Part of it, in, at least? Totally. You know, there are a lot of physical, you know, um, aspects, and, and obviously thyroid being a, another one. But candida, um, you know, if somebody has, I mean, it's, it's sort of which came first, you know, the chicken or the egg. You know, right. I mean, mm-hmm. candida is caused by, you know, excessive, you know, sugar intake. And then obviously um, it can cause, you know, when you have candida, it can cause, you know, increased cravings for sugar. So it's just a, you know, vicious cycle. But uh, certainly there are underlying things that can make it harder to stop overeating. You know, if you have physical cravings that are caused by something going on in your body, it makes it all the harder to stop. It's just that oftentimes people want so much to believe there's just a physical component to it, you know, or, or reason for it, and they overlook the emotional component and and without really addressing both it's going to be really hard to get control and weight Mm -hmm. that's such a good point so Mm -hmm. can you give us a couple examples of course people can go and take your quiz but how does one know truly if they're an emotional eater or a food addict uh, yeah, you know, it's so funny. I, as I said, you know, people are, prim- you know, mostly we're all, emo- we have an emotional attachment to food or an experience of food. Um, but I really uh, consider it to be a spectrum. So everybody's on the spectrum. It's just a matter of where they are. And where they are is determined by, you know, the consequences one experiences from their eating. So whether they're, you know, uh, it's affecting their health. Uh, whether it's affecting their work performance, their relationships, you know, and, and food, you know, one's overeating can certainly uh, cause these kinds of problems. I mean, I have a friend who um, he is a complete food addict, and he works out like two, he has these terrible binges and works out like two to three hours a day, you know, oh, wow. and he's, not, he's never home. Like he's never home, and his wife is on him all the time about it. You know, that's another way that one's eating behavior is affecting their lives. He's thin. He looks great. You would never know he's a binger. Um, and yet this, this condition is driving, you know, his, you know and, and affecting his relationship. So there's many different consequences to, you know, overeating and then, to, and then having a weight issue, certainly. Look at all the different ways that our health is affected, you know, our mental uh, capacity is affected when we're in a sugar or, or, or carb coma. It's hard to function at work. You know, it's hard to be present when we're thinking about food all the time. And there's so many ramifications right. that people don't think of. So that really determines where somebody is on the spectrum. And I say that on the low end is just, hey, I like food. I might overindulge once in a while, but I can always uh, rein it in. You know, right. it's like a somebody, Yeah, you know, and it's natural and normal, but. But um, in terms of the high end of the spectrum, it's really, I call that food addiction, where somebody is having, like, really bad, um, like, food binges and maybe eating. It's sort of like an alcoholic with alcohol. I mean, they're, they're eating 5,000 calories in a sitting, which I have done. You know, they're doing really dangerous things, going out late at night to get their food or maybe being in a dangerous situation um, just to get their fix, you know, um, 
certainly their health is, is deteriorating on account of um, their eating and they're eating anyway, you know, in spite of what the doctor says. So that's really when we get into the addiction um, uh, realm. And so if somebody takes that quiz, the emotional eating quiz, they're going to find out what they are, you know, and, uh, and really literally they're going to get a personalized score that will determine, you know, where they are on that spectrum and then what to do about it. Now I've got to ask you just because I'm sort of a genetics obsessed person right now, how much does genetics play into the addictive personality, which would apply to food too? I mean, it it can be drugs, it can be alcohol, it can be sex, it can be food, it can be, you know, for that addictive personality, how much do do genetics weigh in on this? Well, I think it plays a big part. I mean, it's certainly in terms of one's physical uh, metabolism. I mean, I grew up uh-huh. with parents who had, my parents were overweight as, uh, you know, younger adults and, well, as children and ad- young adults. And they, um, you know, I certainly got the genetics from them where I, you know, I look at a piece of chocolate cake and I'm basically gain a couple pounds. So, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> so I have a very, you know, slow metabolism. And so, it, you know, it's, it, I gain weight so easily, so it's a big problem for me, and that's how I gained 50 pounds by the age of 21. So, um, you know, people are at a serious disadvantage when they are, you know, uh, you know, born of somebody who has the physical problem as well, like the genetics, gaining weight easily. Um, and so that just makes it harder for somebody. But obviously not everybody has that um uh, problem. I mean, there's a lot of people who are overeaters and they don't gain much weight, you know, and yet they're right. still fixated on food and food is everything to them and they're tortured by it, you know. So, I mean, I've seen people, you know, in my 30 years of helping people with emotional eating, I've seen people more tortured by five extra pounds than somebody who's carrying around 100 extra pounds, wow. you know. Um, right. Yeah, because at 100 pounds, you figure, what's five more pounds? You don't really notice it, you know, but on a thin person, five pounds makes a big difference. So um, so everybody's different. And and then and yet there's people who, um, you know, are completely tortured and people who aren't. And so it's a very personal thing. You know, I, I consider myself to be blessed that it hurt me so much to be overweight. Like, it hurt me so much. I hated it. And I'm grateful, you know, I consider that a blessing because it drove me to find a solution and a solution that's not about food. I mean, my, the, the solution is healing from within, which affects every area of one's life, you know. So the solution that I found has changed my life, you know, uh, completely. And that's all on account of my hating being fat, you know. So it, there are silver linings to this. Right. Right, right, right. And I think that's hard for some people, you know, to truly understand that, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's amazing. That, that is the ultimate silver lining, <laughs> well, you know. But also yeah. there's the opposite, the people that have anorexia, you know. And, you know, just thinking about that, um, the relationship with food. It's, it's all your relationship with food. And I have learned. Because that's emotional, too. Anorexia yeah. is all emotional yeah, oftentimes, it's that whole food restriction for punishment or, you know, self-punishment or even lack of control in their environment. So they feel like that's the only thing they can control, so that's what they do. I mean, 
Yeah. It's it's that the whole food emotion relationship is is really fascinating and and can change from one person to the next, you know. I think well, what's interesting I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say and it, it, and it can change within one person too because I have people who come to me, you know, because they're out of control eating and when I ask them about their history, you know, oftentimes they've actually been anorexic in their past. So what I see so often is, um, you know, for, for emotional eaters is that they start out being able to control. First of all, if you have to control something, it means it's already out of control. You know, so they're out of control eaters, and then they're right. controlling it and restricting. So they start out that way. Yeah, and they might have even been hospitalized for anorexia as, as a teen. But then, you know, that ability, yeah, it takes a lot to control one's out-of-control eating. And so that ability to restrict, you know, one loses that, you know, over time. Often there are cert- there are certain strain of you know, anorexics who stay thin and may die of anorexia. Um, but, but there are people who lose that ability to restrict and then they're out of control eating and then they perhaps resort to bulimia. So then they become bulimic, trying to control their weight that way. They're, again, they're trying to control their out of control eating or the effects of their out of control eating with bulimia. Um, and that, you know, they may play that out for a time until the physical, you know, effects are so, you know, so drastic that they stop that. Um, but, but that it's still the main problem, the out of control eating still isn't healed. Um, and so then they just get, they gain weight. You know, their out of control eating just like takes a toll and they gain weight. And that's oftentimes when they'll come looking for help because, again, that symptom of gaining weight is what really drives people because nobody wants to be overweight, you know, or, or um, have it show, have, have their habits show like that. So, um, but but the point is, you can be all over the spectrum. And I, for myself, even though I'm an overeater, binge eater, you know, emotional eater, um, there was a time in my life when I did, did did dip into anorexia when my father was dying. And just like you were saying, um, you know, and I this I wasn't aware I was doing this, of course, until it was brought to my attention. But I got extremely thin. I wouldn't say anorexic, but definitely thin um, because I'm mean, too thin because. I did feel so out of control with my father's dying, you know, at a young age and of cancer. And, and I just, it was, you know, in reflection, it, I, it was like the only thing I could control. And I wasn't, again, I was still eating healthy, but I was just eating less and it was just taking at, you know, turning into something that was not healthy. And, um, and it was really for that reason. And so people can be, all over the spectrum, you know, and oftentimes people will say, you know, I had an eating disorder and I don't have it anymore. And yet really it just transmuted itself into overeating. And that's just that, you know, that doesn't really qualify as an eating disorder a lot of the time. Um, and so they think of themselves as healed, but they're still struggling with their weight. They're still struggling with their eating. So I put it all under the umbrella of, of disordered eating at least, you know, if not eating disorders. Because it can just it it does it transmutes itself into different forms, but fundamentally emotional eating. Yeah. This topic is just so in my face right now in my life. Yeah. It's just kind of funny, it but is. um. So, explain to us 
for those out there that that are emotional eaters that that know they're emotional eaters and they're just overwhelmed with the whole subject right now, can you explain to us the anatomy of an emotional eater? How did we get here? Oh yeah, so uh, the anatomy of emotional eater is a, a term I coined uh, several years back, and and my clients just love it, and I write about it in my book, and I talk, you know, I I go into deep, you know, detail in my programs, and what it is is it's a composite of uh, twenty four personality traits that emotional eaters have, and they're not, you know, the only ones who have them, but this particular grouping of twenty four traits is really so quintessential, you know, to the emotional eater's experience. And any emotional eater who, who you know, re- goes over this, the anatomy of emotional eater, is just like, oh, my God, this woman has my number. <laughs> because it, it's like I'm pinpointing things in their character, in the way they respond to life, that, that they don't, they're not even aware of, part, you know, a, a lot of the time. But I'm putting, I'm laying it out there. I'm saying, look, these traits, you know, are literally, um, there's certainly, you know, we, we take the cake on these traits, pardon the pun, and, and uh-huh. we basically, you know, these traits are actually causing a lot of the stress that we stress eat over. And that's why the anatomy and emotional eat are so important for people to identify um, with and to really start to work on because so much of the time people think emotional eating, you know, is just, it just happens to them. Like they just get these cravings that overcome them. They don't know where they come from and they're just a victim of them, you know, and so they're trying to take certain supplements that curb cravings and, and this kind of thing. But I say, hey, cravings are 90% emotional or emotionally driven. So they don't just happen. We actually create our cravings. And we do that by these personality traits that cause us stress, okay? And the good news about that is if we create the cravings, we can uncreate the cravings. And so what we have to do is we have to look in, like, deeper, again, beyond food, beyond calories, beyond, you know, what's on your plate or what foods to eat or what food plan, keto or, you know, or paleo or or what this, that, and the other. You know, that's all fine, but it's not going to get you where you need to go. What you need to do is start looking at your life and how you respond to life because that's really what we're, you know, where it can make a difference to make changes. And so I'll give you an example. So one of the top, you know, most practiced um, issue for emotional eaters is people-pleasing. And people-pleasing is a terrible, you know, uh, habit for emotional eaters. And, you know, emotional eaters typically are lacking in self-esteem. We didn't, you know, we grew up lacking self-esteem. We didn't have this core of really a feeling of self-worth. And so we end up wanting and needing and really craving approval from people outside of ourselves. You know, we want validation, and we'll do anything to get it. So we end up being the one who does the extra, you know, work at, at work. We take on the extra projects. Um, we say yes to everything. We, we're asked to be on this committee and that committee, and we say yes because we're afraid to say no. Um, and, and also we want the validation that comes from being superwoman, right? And so we're running uh-huh. around 
you know, wanting to please everyone because we so desperately want that validation and that sense that we we matter. And then we're exhausted. You know, our thyroid's out of, you know, our hormones are out of balance. Our adrenals are shot. And we're, we're burnt out. And then what do we do when we're burnt out? We reach for food. You know, we go at the end of the day, you know, we go home and we have the I deserve it binge because God knows nobody is going to appreciate us like we expect them to. And so it's just this vicious cycle. But, but we did it. Like we created that because we didn't have boundaries on our time because we, we put, you know, approval ahead of self-care. And so the good news is that can be turned around. But you, you see where I'm going. Like, like, like it's our decisions, the way we're living, that's creating the stress that, that drives us to eat. Mm-hmm. It's making and, and me think so many things. And so I can't I'm – trying, I'm trying to wrap my brain around all this and, and ask you which question <laughs> I want to go with next. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, maybe one of the things we can do um, – Maybe not, but maybe one of the things we can do is make eating a priority. And by that I mean, you know, um, teaching our kids and our friends and family, you know, this is, we make time for eating, we make time for breakfast. These are the things that are good for you. These are things that make you healthy. Here's what real food is. I don't know. I'm just trying to think as opposed to like avoiding everything. I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, emotional eaters are, you know, are notorious for thing meals, okay? So, so they skip, emotional eaters skip meals mostly because they think they're going to hack the system and lose weight if they do, right. but they end up binging <laughs> later, you know, right. because, you know, we cannot, we can't, you know, our bodies are, they're not going to allow us to, you know, mess with them that way. Like, right, they, right. they need food. They need energy. So they're going to get it, you know. So we may think we're doing well skipping lunch and working right through lunch, but we're going to pay for it later. And so it's so important that people do eat, you know, and don't skip meals. It's such a setup to skip meals. And we'll, we'll just, I mean, always overeat if we try to undereat. I mean, that's just the bottom line. So so important that we eat, you know, I call it three meal magic, that three meals with nothing in between. And when we're eating real meal, if you don't eat between meals, uh, I, I really recommend this um, to my clients because if you don't eat between meals, you'll start to get in touch with your emotions. You'll get a lot more connected to what's going on emotionally, which is so vital. And uh, so much of the time when we're overeating, we're foggy headed. Like we don't know what's going on when we're eating sugar and carbs, you know, we're, we're, we're zoned out, you know, and so we don't know what's going on inside. So the three meals is really more than anything. It's about, uh, you know, just getting more conscious of our emotional Themselves. Um, but what it does is, you know, you, you make sure you get good nutrition during those three meals because if you're not eating in between, you want to make sure you have a real meal. <laughs> so, um, so that helps as well. But it's so, so important that we feed ourselves. And I often say to, you know, my clients who are mostly, you know, grown women, um, you know, would you treat your child, your sweet baby daughter, the way you treat yourself? You know, would you say, oh, we're going to blow off breakfast today and hoping we can, you know, get a little ahead and and not, you know, lose a few pounds. Like, you would never say that to your daughter, right? Well, and kids, you know, kids are so raw, too, because you, you know, 
you could do that and then they would become a complete emotional meltdown. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That yeah. You could <laughs> you could eat. see the direct response and, and we as right. adults are really no different than children. Mm-hmm. When you right. look I mean truly <laughs> you know what I mean? No, we just sort true. of we do it maybe a little bit differently, but it's still the same yeah. thing no matter how you look at it. Or we, yeah, we mask it a little bit better. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Or it displays differently. You know, it's not as yeah. raw, but it's it's still there yeah. if you look at it. I mean, I, I you know, no you can question. see that in people all the time. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. So the, this this diet failure, why do, is, is emotional eating behind diet failure? Everybody's no on a diet. No question about it. You yeah. know what I mean? It yeah. just seems like everyone's on a diet. Even when people say, well, I'm not dieting. This is a healthy, you know, whatever. I, it's just, gosh, food is just such a subject right now, you know, especially in the thyroid community. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just my experience of dieting is, I mean, it's not just mine. I mean, statistics say that 90, 98% of all diets fail. And it's absolutely because of emotional eating. It's because people don't realize they're emotional eaters, so they're like, oh, I'm going to go on this diet, I'm going to get control of my weight, you know, and it's all going to be fine. But th- what they don't understand is, uh, you know, they don't take a look at what, why they gained weight in the first place. You know, overweight comes from overeating, and overeating comes from what's eating you. And so if somebody is overweight and they just take away food, what they have left is all the reasons they were, you know, all the things that were covering up with food and weight, okay? And that's real stuff. I mean, every pound is a certain number of emotions that have been buried, okay? So just imagine, I was 50 pounds overweight. I had a ton of buried stuff. And so when I lost weight, you know, I, I lost weight, and then that's actually when I realized, like that I was an emotional eater is when I lost weight and I did it many times. I yo-yoed so much. But um, the last time when I lost weight, uh, after, you know, you, you're really high when you're losing weight. It feels great. You look great. You're losing weight. You're, you're able to fit in clothes. You haven't fit in, you know, in ages or you go shopping for new clothes. It, there's a certain, you know, uh, high that comes from that that feeds you and fills you. Mm-hmm. So for a while it's great, you know, but then – what happens is after everybody stops noticing or commenting, you know, and, and you can only wear so many outfits in a day, you know, then then you start to have this emptiness and this pain. And this is what happened to me. And it, uh, it was in the 80s, but I started to get depressed. And, I, you know, in the 80s, they weren't, like, handing out Prozac like, you know, <laughs> they were in the 90s, you know, and so, like, candy. And so I started to get depressed, and I didn't know why, because I was supposed to be happy when I lost weight. Like, the, like my dream was to lose weight, and all of a sudden, you know, I lost 20, 25 pounds. I'm like, I, I'm not happy. I'm actually de- depressed. I mean, and, and, and I didn't know why I was depressed, and my therapist didn't know why. But what I know now is that I was uncovering. I lost, I took the food away. I was on a food plan. I was losing weight. I was doing the diet. And, but I wasn't doing anything else, um, and so everything I buried with food came to, to the surface. So I had this, you know, onslaught of, of feelings that I had no tools. I was ill-equipped to deal with. I mean, it's, the, the best analogy is, you know, 
when you're eating junk food, I mean, most eaters will, will get this, but when you're eating junk food in your car, you're like binging at night. You stop at McDonald's, you stop at Burger King, you know, you get all these, you're, you're eating, you know, you, uh, you run into the grocery, the 24-hour grocery store, you get, you know, a couple cans of this and, and a, you know, a couple containers of that. You eat it and you throw all the trash in the back of your car, you know, just throwing it back there, you know, with abandon. You're just throwing the cans back, throwing the wrappers back. Uh, maybe you don't clean out your car, and the next binge you do the same thing. Well, after a few binges, you've got a lot of stuff in the back. So then you come up to a, a you know, a, a light that turns red all of a sudden that you didn't, you were coming a little fast, and you slam on the brakes. All that stuff comes flooding into the front of the car, okay? And you're like, whoa, where did all this come from? Well, that's really what happens when you lose weight and you don't deal with the emotions. And you don't deal with the reasons why you gain weight in the first place. All that stuff comes rushing to the surface, and you don't have tools to deal with it. You weren't, like, focused on that. And so it's overwhelming. And so what people do is they're like, whoa, give me, give me my fix again. Like, this is not, like, I'm not happy. I'm not enjoying this. I don't know what to do with this. You know, this is more of a subconscious thing that they're not necessarily consciously thinking that. But, but it's hard. And so they need their friend again, their food to cover over that hard stuff, you know, to smooth over the edges um, like, like they always did. And that's why 98% of all diets fail because they're really not designed to work. I mean, truthfully, if somebody's an emotional eater, which I think most people who struggle chronically with weight are, um, you know, it's, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. And, and you're barking up the wrong tree. And, and certainly anybody who struggles chronically can do a little history of how many diets they've been on and how many programs they've paid for and how many exercise programs they've tried and failed at. You know, there's plenty of data to show that it ain't working, you know, and they need a new approach. Right. A couple just really quick disclosures in there for thyroid patients that are listening. It's not always overeating, though, for, for thyroid patients because they've done studies on you know, thyroid patients eating 600 calories a week on average, right. or 600 calories a day for a week, right. and on average gaining three pounds. So just a just a quick, you know, uh, toss no, out there point. to the to the thyroid community, um, you know, about oh, that, and pit. also that's the, really important that's the worst. to to remember yeah. there are medications also that in certain genetic subsets can cause significant amount of weight gain. So I mean, we're talking about emotional eating. But if you are not an overeater and you had just this, you know, this slew of massive weight gain that came on after starting a new medication, that may be something to look at as well. So I just wanted to to kind of throw that out there uh, to the thyroid community, like like you know, some women like I'm not Definitely. eating a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, we I'm just so want to know that we know that. we know you're out there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> totally. No, it's true, and there's nothing more frustrating than you know, eating really clean and still not being able to lose weight um, or even worse, gaining weight. Uh-huh. Right. And it's, it's, it's really uh, somewhat, I mean, I think a lot of thyroid patients maybe are emotional eaters because there are, you know, emotional situations. You know, there's been many links that have shown the relationship between emotional trauma, uh, you know, sexual, physical abuse, mental abuse, verbal abuse, all of these things, and thyroid issues. 
Um, but, you know, there are also some other things that can make, you know, even serotonin and dopamine manufacture and uptake and all these things and loading into the brain. Those can also be very dietary related, you know. Uh, right. That's why a lot of people can get very depressed when they restrict food. That's a that's a uh-huh. thing. It's a genetic thing. But, yeah. Um, you know, just to kind of throw that out there for people that are like, wait a minute, that's not applying to me. So we just, I just want to. Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. And and really, I'm I'm really talking about people who do struggle, you know, like chronically. And, and right, right, right. Well, not necessarily binge eating because a lot of emotional eaters aren't binge eaters. Um, you know, if somebody is drawn to starchy foods and sugars, um, even if they don't binge, you know, if somebody prefers potatoes over broccoli or bananas over apples or, you know, uh, our food choices often inform this issue as well, um, even if we're not bingers. Because I have a lot of people who say, oh, I don't binge, and yet their food choices, you know, they're eating heavy foods and, and they're essentially overeating without knowing it, you know, because they're not bingers, but still they're using food, you know, food is a, you know, those carbs and sugars are a blanket over one's emotions. So food choices, um, you know, often have emotional um, causes as well. Mm. So are we talking about people that, let, let's say, for example, they had a bad day. I'm just trying to narrow in on, on uh-huh. deciding or deciphering between emotional eating and if someone's had a bad day and they walk into the grocery store and they, they see the cheesecake and they're like, oh, yeah, just, you know, this is, yeah, and they grab it. <laughs> that's going to that's gonna make me feel good. Yeah, that's emotional eating. Of course. That's, that's an emotional but eating. It, so like you're saying, you don't have yeah. to necessarily be, you know, eating the whole cake or, right. you know, where you're like, oh, my gosh, this is Hiding talking in about – Right. Food, right. Food telling you what to do, not you telling food what to do. Yeah, it's comfort eating, essentially. You know, food, and, and again, this is not, you know, this is what people do. It's part of, you know, it's, it's, it's human nature to comfort eat. Um, it's just that, you know, when it becomes a problem is when it's a problem. You know, right. if somebody's <laughs> doing it. It it does take on a life of its own, you know, and just like drinking does, just like pill taking does, you know, you do it here and there, it's not a big deal. You do it and become dependent on it for living, then it's a problem, you know. And so uh, if somebody is obsessed with food 24-7, they're obsessed with their weight 24-7, you know, if they are, you know, they'd rather eat then go be social, you know, or, or all their friends. I mean, here's an example. Like I used to go out with friends to eat and, you know, we'd go to like, I would grew up in the Northeast, so there was friendlies, but it's similar to Denny's, you know? And so um, we'd eat, we'd go out and they'd have like a burger and fries and they'd eat their burger and pick up their fries. Well, I'd have a sandwich or burger and fries and I'd eat my fries and pick up my burger. So, <laughs> so it's just like, it's just that for, it's really the priority, you know, and, and, and where it stands for you. And, and I think if people take the emotional eating quiz, that will be probably the best Helpful. place for them to determine, uh-huh. yeah, where they are. You know, if they go to healyourhunger.com and take that quiz, they're going to um, get a lot better sense because there's a low end of the spectrum and a high end of the spectrum, you know. And it's not just, it's not just your eating behaviors, it's your mood 
it's your mood, it's sort of how you respond to life as well. And I love yeah, that, the spectrum. You know, mm-hmm. everyone is a different a different view, you know what I mean, of emotional eating. Yeah. I, I like the fact that you call that out. There's a spectrum there. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, too, that you probably recommend uh, or mention, talk about in your book, that, you know, getting going to the doctor and getting some panels, some hormone panels, depending on if it's a woman or, you know. Um, right, cortisol, that's a big one. Yes. <laughs> on this topic, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I highly recommend, I mean, that's, it's so related, thyroid and adrenals and, you know, it, it, I mean, your serotonin levels, I mean, your, you know, neurotransmitters, all that can have a big impact on how you feel and therefore, you know, how hard it is to resist, you know, when you're having cravings. And sometimes uh, the physical can certainly cause cravings as well. And so getting that checked out is going to be important. And also getting your energy in check. You know, if somebody's lacking energy and they're dragging around because their hormones are off, it's going to, you know, it's going to make it so much harder to not overeat because, you know, it's just a natural thing to look for energy in food. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so top three things that you recommend for our emotional eaters out there to stop, um, to stop emotional eating? Top three things you would yeah. recommend that a person do. Well, I would say um, no question they need to take a look at their life and, you know, the amount of stress in their life. I mean, self-care and minimizing stress is going to have a huge impact on one's ability to say no to the ooey-gooey chewy foods. Um, you know, and if you're an overeater, you're probably an overdoer and you're putting too much on your plate, so to speak. And so, um, and that has to be dialed back. You know, people are always on the go, 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 and then they wonder why they're eating. And, and you can't, you know, <clears throat> you can't be on the go all the time and not take time for yourself and expect to not overeat. You just can't. Mm-hmm. So definitely addressing one's stress is important, um, realizing it's not about the food, okay, and starting to look at deeper deeper stuff is vital. Um, you know, it's not about the food. And just, I, would, I would make that your mantra, you know, and just constantly remind yourself it's not about the food because it's so easy to think it is. I mean, it's, I, mean I fall into that sometimes, you know, you know what, what am I eating or, you know, I get really fixated on food, but it's not about the food. You know, it's about the emotions. Um, super, super important. And I do offer in, in my course, I have a course called 10 Weeks to Freedom from Emotional Eating, and that is super helpful for people to uh, to get really get their self-care in check and also to start uh, being able to identify the emotions that are, the emotions and the personality traits that are driving their eating. Um, but, and the other thing is community. You know, nobody can stop overeating on their own. Um, it's really vital that somebody have community with other emotional eaters. Um, you know, it's certainly something I create for people called the Heal Your Hunger community. But it's so, so important because just on our own, we're not going to be able to do it. I mean, food is like the hardest thing to, to you know, scale back. as hard as addiction to overcome by far, by any. I mean, there's no addiction as hard as food because you have to eat three times a day. You know, you have to take that tiger out of the cage and pet it three times a day and then put it back in the cage, you know, whereas mm-hmm. alcohol, I can put the pl- plug in the jug and then it doesn't have to think about it or you know, stop, just not go to bars or whatever, 
mean, you can't stop eating. So it's so right. much harder, you know, and so it's just so important to get that support. You know, it's just, it cannot be done alone. It's just that food is just staring you at the face at every turn. Um, and so you need support to, to be able to address your emotions because that's, you know, a scary adventure, you know, for it and, you know, and so, and you need support to just be able to stick to what you know is good for you. Um, and when you have other people, when you have a Facebook group where you can go jump in and say, I'm struggling with this, or, you know, you know, the ladies at work just brought in a pie, you know, um, you know, I, I really don't want to eat the pie. I already brought my lunch, you know, um, just having those, you know, that, that, that support and those added girls, you know, is so, so important. It makes it so much easier. And I would also say that making uh, real food a priority and prioritizing times that you eat food, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And um, I think that's really important because I'm going to start making sure I do that with my kids and also for myself. When you make it a priority and you make healthy food a priority, that leaves uh, less chances for you to, you know, bend or fall off the wagon or, you know. For sure. You know, uh, oh, so. that's that's part of the self care. It's vital. Yeah, I call it three meal magic. Mhm. Love that. Well, and really teaching. Quick, I know we. I was just gonna say okay. before we let you go. Um, what are you eating today? What is on your your healthy food menu today? <laughs> well, let's see. I um, had a great breakfast. Of, um, I had a smoothie. Actually, it was a really good uh, vegan protein powder and coconut milk. Um, mm. so that was great, and I am a big salad girl, so I have, uh, and I live about a block from Whole Foods, so I don't do a lot of cooking, but I make great salads, so on Sundays, I go to the farmer's market, and I load up on this amazing romaine uh, lettuce, and then I have peppers, and zucchini, and carrots, and tomatoes, and I, I typically just, uh, I buy some protein, some already you know, prepared protein from Whole Foods, like chicken, grilled chicken or something, and I cut it up and I put it in my awesome salad. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, probably a couple salads for the rest of the day. So that's probably what's going to happen. And what's your favorite oh, salad dressing? Good. I'm always looking yeah. for good salad dressing. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my what's favorite, your favorite, I will tell you, my all-time favorite salad dressing, it's not 100% clean. It's got some... Oh, it's got um, canola oil, which if you know if I had my druthers, it wouldn't have canola oil in it. But right. um, but it doesn't have um, sugar, and um, it's I'm looking at it right now. It's what it is is it's blue. Uh, you know, my all-time favorite was always blue cheese dressing, uh-huh. and um, and I don't eat dairy anymore. So there's a company called Follow Your Heart, and I don't know if it's available everywhere. It's a California-based company, but in the Whole Foods around here, they have it, and it's called. It's called High Omega Vegan Blue Cheese Salad Dressing. And it literally tastes like blue cheese dressing. I don't know how they do that, um, <laughs> but it's so good. It's actually it's used with these pea protein in it and um, hemp, and it's just really good. But that's, that's the, the, I use that in uh, cider vinegar and olive oil. Now awesome. I'm hungry. I know, right? I had, I had a little, <laughs> I know, me too. I had a little, a few snacks and a few nuts, excuse me, and some bacon this morning. So I'm, I'm kind of lacking. So I need to, need to go eat. But um, 
Thank you so much, Krista. This has been this has been so fun and so enlightening because uh, food we you can't stop it. It's not like alcohol. Can't, like right, can't get away from it. You can't get away from it. So um, yeah, it's, been, it's an important it's been conversation to, to have. It is. Sure. It is definitely. Well, everybody, um, your book is on Amazon, correct? Heal Your Hunger, and also you can go to HealYourHunger.com. Yep, it's called Heal Your Hunger, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. And, yeah, HealYourHunger.com is where you can find the quiz and also information about my program. Yay. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you you so much for taking the time today. Yeah, I have a podcast as well, actually. Oh, I forgot to mention that. I forgot. I'm sorry. I meant to say that. No worries. Yeah, what's it, what's your what's it called? So it's called the Heal Your Hunger Show, and it um I, uh, I do uh, two two shows a week. I do one where I'm just talking about issues all just surrounding emotional eaters, you know, different again and your emotions and all different aspects of you know being an emotional eater. Um, and then I do a show that's interviewing a you know a health expert, basically, just Very like you guys cool. are doing. I love that. Well, be sure and check it out. I'm sure it's on iTunes, correct? Yes, it is. iTunes and Stitcher. Yay. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for for being with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. What a pleasure it's been. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. This This was a really good conversation to have, and I'm glad we finally got to do it, Trista. So thank you so very much. Thank you for having me. You guys have an okay. awesome show, and you do you do great service to the world. So thank you for that. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Oh, that's a huge topic. Mm. You know what I mean? It. I really like my head was reeling. Everything back from childhood to my kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank right? you, ladies. Thank bye. you so Thanks. much. Yeah, I really appreciate um, you. I didn't know whether to get off or stay on, but I, I just want to thank you. So. Oh, thank you. That was fabulous. I'll sign off. I'll sign okay, off now. sounds Thanks good. So much. Have a great day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Yeah, um, yeah, me too. You know, it was, and it, I always try to, to think about the overwhelming factor, and I was getting a right. bit overwhelmed myself. Um, just because of the things I'm going through, not because anybody else out there, the listeners, were going through. So I thought, oh, well, I'm going to work through this. And so I just was kind of breathing as she was talking, and I was thinking, okay, so my solution for me is to make food a priority. And so that's, that's why I said that, because I think if people, you know, start there at least. Of course, she's got all kinds of great right. tips and things in her book. But if you can at least start there or get that in your brain, maybe that will help you to – make food a better, you know. Right. Yeah. And also eating for function, you know, I mean, for having been a hospitalized anorexic and, you know, food-controlled diabetic for 30 years, for me it was more about eating for, fun- you know, like function. So the three meals a day, this this is food. I think of it like gasoline, okay? This is nourishment to go. Mm-hmm. you know, um, which helps you eat healthily. It helps you, you know, uh, identify overeating a little bit more because if you are focused on blood sugars and things like that, you can end up with huge crashes from eating too much protein and not enough carbohydrates or, you know, and everyone's a little bit different. So for me, mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, 
curtailed that because it was more um, functionality. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, yeah. And I think the biggest thing is, is even for diabetics, you still, you know, you still can have sweet treats. It's just the what, the when, the why, and how much. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like a healthy treat in a in a in a good portion size, so that you can treat yourself and not hurt yourself. You know what I mean? I think that's really important. And I I think probably it's very different for lots of people. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like that uniqueness kind of kind of comes forward and and you know um mm-hmm. like uh, like my daughter Joanna you know she loves watermelon and so when i cut watermelon i'm like you know honey you don't you don't want any are you sure and she's like you know mom i would rather not have one piece because i can't i can't stop at one piece i want to eat the whole thing you know and then of course mm-hmm. she's taken in too much and she doesn't feel well and she doesn't want to go there so it's about respecting her wishes and those may mm-hmm. change you know what i'm saying but i can i can understand that you know so maybe she's not the person that can have a little bit does that make sense mhm yeah definitely right so you can't can't do that but that was awesome it really was yeah it was okay well as always a very big thank you to our listeners thank you thank you thank you if you enjoy our show we would love a little review on itunes and while you're there, you can download or listen to any of the past shows, and you can always check us out on Stitcher and Google Play, too. Absolutely, and please make sure to check out thriveprobiotic.com. Unique, spore-based, wonderful, wonderful gut reset, very helpful for leaky gut and autoimmunity, and take a peek, thriveprobiotic.com. Yep. And also, please check out thyroidrefresh.com and uh, get on the list so you can be the first to hear about uh, Thyroid 30 when it does launch. So um, it'll be really, really exciting, something different and new that is not out there on the market for thyroid patients right now. We're, Jenny and, and I positive. are really excited about it. Yes, very positive. And positive. Helpful, supportive, yeah. fun. We're trying fun. to put the fun back into the healing. So check it out. And as always, Absolutely. <laughs> we always um, want to remind you that wellness is a journey. It takes continual maintenance and evaluation. You always want to be aware of where your body is at. Have some conversations. That mm-hmm. built-in diagnostician is unique to you, and you just have to be mindful of what it is telling you. Consider that your expert, right? That's mm-hmm. the only one that knows you, and you plug in all the information from all these amazing people and ultimately have a conversation with with self. Uh, mm-hmm. Important. This is Dana. And Tiffany. Your Thyroid Nation Thrivers, bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together, united we heal. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Have a wonderful week.